0: Hey everyone, it's Tim Nelson here. Welcome to this week's podcast, Cause to Cure. This podcast is my personal take as it relates to our team's activities focused on congenital heart disease. My day-to-day experience with the largest dedicated team focused on single ventricle congenital heart disease was founded at Mayo Clinic by the Todd and Karen Wannick family program. This team is accountable to the development of new products that aims to cure congenital heart disease. We leverage basic science research and synchronize it with the world's largest clinical trial network to de-risk product development and make it available to our patients. Now with a nationwide consortium, we are aiming to leverage a clinical trial infrastructure focused on single ventricle congenital heart disease and test and ultimately accelerate the availability of new products. It takes a team of partners to make this happen. Thanks for joining the team. Welcome to this week's podcast, Cause to Cure. This is Tim Nelson. I have the distinct privilege of having Aaron and and Bella with us today. So Aaron and Bella, welcome.
1: Thanks for having us, Tim. Say hi. Hi.
0: Hey, Bella. (laughs) It's great to see you. So Bella, what are you doing these days?
2: Playing outside.
0: What are you doing outside?
2: Um, We're playing on our go-karts and playing in the grass.
0: Go-karts? What kind of go-karts do you have?
2: We have the one that you could put your feet on.
0: Do you go fast or do you go slow?
2: Fast and slow.
0: Do you race anybody?
2: Uh, no.
0: You know, I saw a picture last night that you were eating a very big cake. What was that all about?
2: It was my anniversary and it was my brother's birthday half birthday
0: all right what was your anniversary about can you tell us about that
2: um my heart surgery
0: and what kind of cake did you have for your heart surgery anniversary
2: a frozen vanilla cake
0: (laughs) i could see it was frozen because in the video i saw on instagram you were working pretty hard to get the fork into it it looked kind of hard was it good yeah all right now here's the real question that was a huge cake did you eat the whole thing no oh good (laughs) i thought you were gonna have a (laughs) bellyache if you ate all of that in one night so what can you tell me more about your your heart anniversary what does that mean to you
2: um we're celebrating something special
0: what was what was the special celebration can you tell me more
2: my heart surgery, my first heart surgery.
0: What do you know about your first heart surgery? Can you tell me about that?
2: I was a baby.
0: Yeah. Did, what have the doctors and nurses told you about um, why you had to have that heart surgery?
2: Because I was sick.
0: Yeah. And did they fix your heart? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like they did. You are running around on go-karts and eating frozen cakes and celebrating, so that's pretty, pretty cool. (laughs) Have you seen your doctors lately, Bella? Yeah. What did they tell you the last time they saw you?
2: Everything looked good.
0: Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Did your mom leave that appointment happy? Yeah. Yeah, I bet she did. That's awesome. So what are you looking forward for um, in the coming weeks and months? What's the big excitement next after this celebration? What's coming up for you?
2: A puppy. A puppy.
0: Tell me about the puppy.
2: (laughs) Um, We're going to get it at the end of the summer, and it's going to be a boy. Its name is going to be.
0: You, what was the name? I didn't hear the name, Bella. Henry. Henry. Nice. Is it going to be a big dog or a little dog?
2: A little
0: dog. A little one. Awesome. So <laughs> whose idea was it to get a dog? Was that your request or your brother's request? Whose? Mine. Have you ever had a dog before?
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. So who's going to take the dog potty every day?
2: um mommy (laughs) whoa (laughs) whoa (laughs) whoa
1: mommy was not in favor of the dog but it was all bella asked for for her birthday (laughs)
2: well
0: well will you help mommy bella yeah all right that's that's pretty cool that is a pretty super cool thing to be looking forward to that's amazing so how old are you now bella Seven. And so, what are you doing in school these days?
2: Um, I do math, and I do reading, and I have specials at lunch and snack.
0: What are you doing in math class? What kind of the problems?
2: We do some story problems on. In our math books, and then we could go on DreamBox or pick or pick a math game.
0: What kind of math games do you do? I forget. Okay. Are they fun or are they a lot of work? Fun. Uh, that's awesome. So, seven years old. What grade is that? Remind us. First. First grade. Well, it sounds like you are doing awesome. It's so glad to hear your appointments went well, and I am thrilled to hear that Henry is on his way. That's going to be pretty exciting. Can you do us a favor, and can you send us some photos of Henry when you get him? Yeah. All right. Well, Bella, thanks for your time today and sharing a little bit of your story of what you're doing. I really appreciate it.
2: You're welcome.
0: All right, Bella. Aaron, she did awesome.
2: She
1: did, she. I'm so proud.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. She did great. That is awesome. She
1: really she did. She's not always so chatty, so I am uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> well,
0: she's got uh she's got a podcast career in front of her. We'll uh we'll do more right. of this. So, um Aaron, tell us a little bit more about uh your story. I know I recently saw on Instagram the celebration of of the anniversary and I saw a photo of your family that you shared. Um tell us more about what you were thinking and feeling as you shared that um memory of Bella's first surgery.
1: Yeah. So our story started pretty much when I was 20 weeks pregnant. Um went in for typical ultrasound. And the next day we were at CHOP. So uh, our story started down at the Children's Hospital, Philadelphia. Um, After a long echocardiogram, um, they diagnosed Bella with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Um, And it all seems like it was yesterday. It never goes away. And from the smells in the room um, to the emotions mm-hmm. that we feel, um, but it was uh, it was yesterday's celebration. Is the nice thing about Facebook is they always give you these wonderful pictures to remember everything by. Um, and uh, looking at those pictures of Bella days before her first surgery, and then the morning of, um, like I said, it all. It, the emotions come running back. Um, It's, uh, it's hard, you know, like to go back and remember basically holding your breath and waiting for the updates from the nurses. Um, But God, I just like, I'm in awe of how far she's come and how far we've come in seven years. Um, I don't know that I believed deep down that that, that this would be where we are, that she would be seven years post her, her, her Norwood, and um, coming up next week, she's uh, four years post Fontaine. It's just, it flies by.
0: Tell me more what you mean by you couldn't imagine what it was like, you know, that you beat at this point. What do you mean by that when you say that?
1: You remember so many things, but it also seems like a blur um, to to have her be. I had a lot of fear, you know, in the beginning and not knowing um, how she would live and thrive. Um, but just seeing how resilient she is, you know, helps us to just take a breath and let her be and not be all over her, like we had to be in the beginning, Um, and to just see her grow and how we've grown um, over the years, just being her parents, being involved in this community that we're involved in, Um, it's, it's, I don't know, it's hard, we're here and I believe it, but a part of me still is a little bit like, wow, it's a lot, it was a lot (laughs) to get through.
0: It's hard to imagine how um, how people grow and, and what you thought then versus what you think now. Um, it's pretty pretty remarkable to think of that journey. Aaron, one of the things you've done in the last uh, f- seven years is uh, started something really remarkable, uh, Beats for Bella. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so Beats for Bella, um, obviously in honor of Bella, uh, started officially as a nonprofit in 2014. Um, prior to our nonprofit status, we had run a couple fundraisers, um, for mostly for people in the heart community to just help other families. But then once we got, got really going after, uh, after probably like a year or two of fundraising, um, we saw not just the need to run some fundraisers for the community while that is really important. Um, we saw an saw an opportunity to bring this community together and kind of just when really trying to figure out where we wanted to be um as far as a nonprofit goes. Um to bring the, to bring this heart community together, but to bring our community into, to being a part of us. And I think that that's something that we've done pretty well, um, with the help and support of our large families, um, over the past six, six years. Yeah. Six years. Um, and inspire some change, you know, like inspire. I spent some time, um, a couple months ago, really trying to figure out why we do what we do, and why we, um, why we want to be a part of this community. And uh, you've never been people to just sit back and, and let our fate be determined by other people. And we're not the doctors, um, we're not the really smart people, but we, we work hard and we know a lot of people and we know we can bring this community together to affect. <clears throat> To help people like you, people who are the doctors, people who are conducting all the research, um, who are have groundbreaking work that's gonna that's gonna save not just Bella but save other kids and adults living with single ventricles and um, HLHS. Um, we wanted to to do something more um, to be something. That we would be proud of and say that we did everything for our daughter. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's very personal to us to to think about and we're connected with some adult CHDers, um, and uh to to watch them go through the struggles and selfishly not want our daughter to go through those struggles. Um then she turns uh I'm about to turn uh 40 in a couple of months, and I just cannot imagine that she's going to struggle to get to that age. Um, and it really hits home when you think about how little, how small amount of years that can be for somebody. Um, and we just don't, we're not going to let that happen. So Beats for Bella is our, is our way to connect to people um, in the community uh, to to her story and to bring more awareness to the need um, for more research, for more funding, uh, to support the doctors and institutions that are doing this amazing work to save these kids.
0: I love the fact that you are taking head on the challenge of inspiring change of what you just said. Um, it's, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's so important of what you do, how you do it. Um, tell me more what change you aspire for the most, what, what really do you dream about being the big change that collaboratively collectively we can bring forth?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for us, and and we've had this conversation in the past, you know, Bella is four years post Fontan, and that's where we live now. You know, we live in this world where we're not watched all the time. Um, there's she's. I'm grateful for every six months. I know some kids her age and younger than her have gone to annual visits for their checkups, and and it's it's great to get to that place, but it's a scary place to be. Um, I. I value the doctors and I want to be more connected. Um, I want to talk more about how we not just, you know, take our pills every day. and We do the things we've been told to do and watch for the signs of something wrong. I want to get to a place where we're where there's more education and more communication about the things that we can do and teach her that are going to help her heart stay strong for as long as possible. You know, I mean obviously exercise is an important thing and diet, things like that. But, you know, to understand more about the medication that she's taking and where anybody would be taking, um things like that, mental health, things that can just increase that can just I guess make this transition easier. You know, there's some day when I'm not gonna be giving her pills every day you know, she's going to have to do that herself, um, God willing. And, and I just like to see a place where, I'd like to see a place where, you know, where there's more of these conversations, um, collaborations to, to just give everybody every tool and every resource that they can have and then not have to, you know, if I didn't get on the Mayo Clinic's website or be on CHOP's website and um, you know, really do my own research, you know, uh, people are at that point, you know, where they have to go out and find everything themselves as far as maybe like a central location where kind of like a hub for how we communicate.
0: Yeah. Love it. I love the vision. I, I know that there's a huge need of converging together. And, uh, you know, interesting thing that you're highlighting here, we learned this summer when we did a, a survey with our a nursing student project that you may have been part of when we sent it out on social media uh, and asked where the gaps are in our care. And you wouldn't surprise you to find out that our major gaps in care are post-Fontan. We put all of our energy into getting people to the Fontan. And then there's uh, you get to Fontaine, you're kind of like, okay, you're on your own. Good luck to you. And uh, people feel really neglected at that stage, and that's an area that uh, we need to do better as a community. And sometimes there's not a lot we can do medically, um, and so we we forget about it, right? And we focus on the stage one, stage two, stage three. Uh, but all of the things you highlighted are are awesome areas to collaboratively work together and and do better because there is so much information out there. And there's not a good one-stop shop, and each institution by themselves are not necessarily motivated or inspired to do this. Uh, But I think collectively, converging this community together like you are locally, and hopefully what we can continue to do nationally, uh, gives us a warehouse of this type of information, of best practices, that we can uh, give more uh, resources to people to address this post-Fontan, which is truly a neglected area, I think is what you're highlighting.
1: Yeah, and I think that CHOP does a pretty good job. I mean, we're we're so lucky to be near near them with their single ventricle survivorship program, and we were there, we were down there for her uh, checkup in uh, February. But even with that, it's, you know, they, our next checkup will be at the end of the summer, which is great, but... As far as, like, really watching her her body, like, everything besides her heart, because this kid is going to affect her as a whole as she grows, um, you know, this single venture survivorship program is every five years. You know, like, and to me, that is seems like it's not enough. You know, it just seems like it's not enough. And they do great work down there and they watch the kids and her heart function looks good right now. Um, I just and I'm f- thrilled for that. I just feel like there could be more that could be done.
0: Well, I think you are doing more and it's great that you're doing it. And I think Beats for Bella and the organization that you're leading, I know, has raised an amazing amount of money and uh, you're allowing uh, the community to come together. Uh, Tell me more about the community of Beats for Bella and, and how you've organized that, because I think this is an inspiration for others that are interested in potentially doing similar things. You're, you're a, you're the role model of that, in my opinion. Uh, Tell us more about the community and and how it all has come together and where you're going with this.
1: Yeah. I think that um, you're, you're speaking to like our local community here. Yeah. So, you know, my husband, Justin and I come from fairly large families um, and the community started before Bella was even born. Um, Beats for Bella, the name, um, came from um, Justin's youngest sister. And she started, um, which all the rest of the family kind of jumped in on, a T-shirt uh, fundraiser for us before Bella was born. So people were in love with her and rooting for her um before her birth. <laughs> so it kind of gave us a platform to to go from when we decided to um make it official with the nonprofit. But our families have just been so important and instrumental and everybody given an opportunity, um speaks of Bella. you know we have t-shirts that say i know somebody who lives with half a heart i mean i kind of wanted something that was just gonna kind of shock somebody and you know, i know i've been stopped i know a few of other people in our families have been stopped and somebody asks half a heart what is that you know so like the things that we can do and it just kind of spiraled with the local businesses in the community um you know it's it's wonderful when, uh, you know, you've like four and five businesses who just want to have like a shopping date for you and then somebody new comes in the store and and our car magnets are on cars that I have no idea who they are. And it's just inspired like this whole community. Um, I don't know that you could be in the our area and not have heard of Beats for Bella. And that's what we wanted, you know, not that we wanted it to be us. We just wanted that, we wanted that awareness, um, for, for congenital heart defects. Um, and, and we've been, we've been so blessed and everybody loves her and, and roots for her. And, and it's happened more times than I'd like to admit that somebody has come up to me or emailed or text and said, my friend just found out that their baby's going to be born with a heart defect or baby's going to be born with HLHS. Can you talk to her? You know, and it's kind of given the way to, to reach into that community and be a support for anybody who who needs it.
0: If there's a family diagnosed uh, today, they're year into their journey and they're thinking, gosh, I would really like to do what Aaron and Justin have done. Uh, What would you give advice as the first step?
1: Yeah, I think that the biggest thing is, I mean, it's a lot of paperwork and all that stuff that goes into starting a nonprofit um and maintaining it. Um but it you know, I think you have to really think about what your goals are, what your purpose is with it. Think thinking about your why. Why are you actually going to be doing this? Because you need to know that first before you do any of this because it's going to get hard and it's going to be night work and weekend work and and if you really if you really want this your your nonprofit to be successful um and depending on how far you want to take it um it's a lot of work it's a business it's a business on top of kids it's a business on top of a full-time job and and other just life stuff with your family so i think finding out why you're doing this um and not, you know, in the beginning, our why was, you know, finding a cure or, or making sure Bella had a long life. You know, that's not really the why. Our why is to be that support for people and give them hope and inspire them to, to do something, even if it's not heart related. You know, you can inspire people to be to be more in their own little world and make a difference. Um, so I think that that's really important, finding figuring out why you want to take that step.
0: No, that's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And I think everybody starts out with, uh, with probably a, a different perspective on day one than they have in, in year two, year five, year 10, uh, and it evolves I, and changes. Has it changed for you? Have it, has it matured or has it evolved in, in, in a direction you didn't anticipate on day one?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think it, what I had said was that it was, you know, the, in the beginning, it was we just wanted to do our part, right? Like we wanted to give back because people helped us. So that was in us to do that and, and to do some fundraisers and, and to be a support to other families as much as we could be in the Share Bella's story. And I thought that's just where we would be. You know, we would kind of just, you know, be a part of the community. Um, and it has evolved so much to and i really think our our big our big first step with that evolution was when we when we started our trials at the mayo clinic um after one of our golf outings we were at the golf outing we had announced that we would be like i think it was like the next month we were taking the kids and we were going to spend a couple days and came to feel the beat and and i think that that weekend kind of really took us took my mind at least to that next level of, of we, we transitioned into something more, um, not necessarily having to be the biggest, but to make the biggest impact that we can in, in this world of post-Fontaine that we live in, you know, and really drilled down and focused on that and any research um, and projects that are going on to support that long-term care.
0: I remember meeting you the first time and being inspired by your passion, your commitment, and everything that you were um, aiming to do. Um, just got distracted by a text that probably came through. We just delivered another stem cell in a consortium site. So uh, another successful stem cell delivery just awesome. now. So awesome. sorry about that. No, I was inspired when I met you um, and your family the first time at Feel the Beat. And and it was also a realization for me of how powerful what um, – you, your family, organizations like you can do and how dependent we are in an academic community of doing research and development uh, to be able to have not only your inspiration, your leadership, your guidance, your, your willpower, um, the financial support matters, for sure it does, but it's also much, much bigger than the financial support. It's, um, it's keeping the purpose front of mind for us. I know a team like ours um, thinks about kids like Bella every single minute, every single day, and tough decisions like we're making right now with the COVID-19 situation of do we do this? Do we do that? How do we balance this? Um, there's, there's a balance point where we value and think about the Bellas of the world and think about what, what's the right thing to do. Uh, it might not be the easy thing to do. It might make for an extra challenge to balance it all, but um, it's having those faces, having those stories and, and knowing how hard people like you work um, to do what you can do uh, really inspires our team to go the extra effort on a day-to-day basis. So um, it it has a profound impact on on us on what you do, and it, and I hope you realize that it goes far beyond the the financial resources. That's not what I'm talking about, and it, it's much more than that. It's much deeper than that, um, and I and I hope people get that I hope people can anticipate that and I hope that can inspire people to to do what you do to inspire people to do what we do and and together we can we can have a bigger dream of of having a bigger goal that institutions by themselves as wonderful as chop and mayo and everybody else is uh, we can't do this alone no institution can no one person can so um, I hope you realize how inspiring you are uh, to, to people like us. Um, you, you say that we're the doctors, we're the smart people. I, I, I don't think that's the, the right answer. I think we're all in it together and we're all as, as, uh, as naive as each other. And, and it takes all of us to educate each other, to, to do the right thing here. So I hope you know that. Um, a couple of questions, Aaron, um, think back uh, again, it's an awesome time here with uh, Bella's anniversary that you celebrated yesterday on, on, Instagram is a joy for you to share that with me. I'd love seeing that. And I, I looked in your eyes of that picture when Bella had surgery and I was trying to think, what would Aaron tell herself today, knowing what you know today, what would you have told yourself in that picture seven years ago that you wish you would have known seven years ago?
1: Yeah, that's not an easy question, but it's a, uh... I, I, I think that it's easy to say like, you know, everything will be okay because you don't really know. I mean, things could change tomorrow, Um, and that's the world we live in. But I think that the thing when you're a mom or dad with a kid with um, with a child born with a severe heart defect. You know, you question yourself all the time. You, know, you question every decision you make, every move you make, taking them someplace or not. And I think the biggest thing I would say is just to trust your gut. Normally, nine times out of ten, my gut is right. You know, and if, if it's, you know, staying home and not going anywhere or or if you're looking at her and you think something's wrong, you know, and, and you need to call the doctor. I think that that's you live in such a limbo world um, and it's a roller coaster of emotions uh, in the beginning um, that you just need to trust yourself and, and no question is a stupid question. <laughs> um, we've gotten, gr- you know, great resolutions to issues because of just asking a lot of questions. So that's, that's, I guess that's the biggest thing I would say is just to trust your instincts and, and ask as many questions as you can. Um, I recently had a, had a conversation with um, a woman who is local to our area um, that I was connected with and her daughter was born with HLHS. And I spent about an hour on the phone with her and she just asked me any questions she wanted to ask me. And I was trying digging back into my brain about everything that I could remember from the beginning. Um, and I think that that's, you know, it, it kind of just brought it all back to me, but I think that that's, uh, it's important to just ask questions and, and to, to trust your instincts.
0: Yeah. No advocating for the, your everything uh, as I've seen on Facebook a lot recently, it's your everything and advocating for that is, is what you guys got to do. Were there times early on where you doubted that, where you didn't do that as well as you do today?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that there were times when, you know, I, my, my natural personality is just kind of to go with the flow. So I had to train myself to be different, you know, ever since I've always been a very carefree, happy-go-lucky person. Um, and since having Bella, I've had to change. Um, and sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't, but it's necessary. And, um, it's, it's a part of our life now, you know, like you have to be, it's part of change and growing up and, and learning about yourself that you just, you have to, um, you just have to be able to acclimate to the different situations that you're in now, and I had to be somebody who was more vocal, somebody who was, you know, who asked more questions, who who just, you know, had to sit and think a lot more about things, because this was my kid, you know, this this is, you know, everything to me and my husband, and And we had to be different people. He's similar, also mostly, you know, happy-go-lucky and just goes with the flow. And and we had to be, we had to be different people after her.
0: I can imagine that's a hard thing to do. To be, uh, feel like you're aggressive. You're being pushy. You're being, um, maybe you feel like you're being annoying to the care team. You're being disrespectful. Maybe some feelings would come through. I can tell you as a, as a provider, and I can speak for most providers, I think we really appreciate that when people ask questions and push back and clarify and, and show that they're, you know, interested in, 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 trying to learn and trying to understand. Um, I don't think that people typically, um, appreciate that. I mean, never do the healthcare providers get offended when they have the same purpose as you have. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. I'm glad you've been able to, figure out how to do that and hopefully you can inspire others to do it because it it does lead to better outcomes for kids like Bella when when families are active and engaged like that that's really really important advice I think you're given
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: so tell me about the rescheduling of the beats for Bella when is it and what's how's that plans coming together
1: yeah it's a total bummer first of all but it's okay um So Bella of the Ball had to be rescheduled uh, for the fall um, due to everything. I tried and tried and tried in my mind to to justify having it, obviously. At at this point, it wouldn't have happened anyway. And there were some tears (laughs) with having to postpone it. It's a lot of work and energy and emotion that goes into that. And then we have a fantastic group of people who do a lot of the the behind-the-scenes work for us um to make it a success so um so yeah so anyway it was rescheduled for september 11th this year um at the same facility um and it'll uh it'll be great give us more time to you know create more awareness get some more people there raise some more money so trying to look at the uh silver lining of it with that um that being said, our golf outing has now been moved to a spring event because two fairly you know, decent-sized yeah. events in the fall is just not feasible for me.
0: No, it's a tremendous amount of work, but uh, this is adapt and response. This is what you guys have spent uh, seven years perfecting and figuring out. So if anybody can adapt and respond, it's it's people like you. So, you know, one thing that makes me reflect on is uh, – For some of us we're living in this world where we've never really had to deal with uncertainty and i've often told told families that you know you guys are going to get really good at dealing with uncertainty that's just the reality of dealing with a congenital heart family and most of us that have not dealt with that um don't even know what that means can't even comprehend it and i think of the the COVID 19 situation that we're all living in right now um this is just kind of par for the course for families like yours to be dealing with uncertainty And uh, you guys are kind of the inspiration and heroes for the rest of us. I look to you and think, wow, I never realized how stressful it is to deal with uncertainty day in and day out, because um, I've never had to, right? And, uh, and the uncertainty of what we're dealing with right now in the healthcare is gives me a little bit more of an appreciation for what um, I've taken for granted, what you guys have had to do for seven years. Um how do you see that? How do you see this new challenge and how does it amplify your uncertainty? Is it just, just another thing, part of the experience?
1: I think it's, Yeah, it's just another thing. I mean, it's kind of like what we've gotten used to is rolling with the punches. Um, you know, we kind of laughed to ourselves a little bit, not certainly not a laughable situation, but you know, we've done this before. This isn't our first rodeo, you know, like we have gone into pretty much quarantine where nobody comes to the house and and Bella doesn't go anywhere and there's no contact with other kids or anybody who has kids to, for fear of, you know, uh, transmitting something that could be really serious for her. So, um, well, you know, I would love to, you know, be able to go out and do the food shopping once in a while. Um, and it's just a sacrifice you make to just make sure that she's okay. Um, she has a hard time with it sometimes. So for us, it's, it's, It's not as difficult as, I guess, people who haven't been in this type of situation before. Um, She doesn't remember all the times that, you know, she couldn't go anywhere. She was a baby or, you know, less than three years old. Um, You know, we had a situation uh, outside one day where, you know, she was getting upset because she wanted to go play with the other kids. And she just doesn't understand. She understands because we are open with her about. Some things that she has to be more aware of and be more careful with, but um, but she is not happy about it. Yeah. So uh, so that's the chat. That's probably the biggest challenge with it is now we have a seven year old um, who understands a little bit more um, and doesn't like it, you know. So, but for us, it's you know this is normal life. Course
0: yeah, it's amazing. Things,
1: well, get, when things get rough. this is normal life, you know. So.
0: I have a new appreciation and respect for what you all have uh, have done. and I'm just grateful for what you, your family, what Bella's has inspired. um grateful for you taking the time to talk to with us today um in light of everything else i, I love the fact that i can hear the the chatter of the kids in the background Damn. and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing i it's a beautiful thing and uh you know i think that's the world we all live in is welcome to our homes right uh, you can see and hear what we what the reality is this is not uh, scripted in a in a studio this is this is what it is it so is. i really appreciate you and i appreciate everything you've done
1: absolutely thank you so much we're we're grateful for for people like you and and i love the relationship and how it's grown over the years and staying connected it's very important to us